The Charlotte Hornets fall to one and two after last night's loss to the Brooklyn Nets. At least Brandon Miller showed out, though, the rookie. He's been very, very good. We'll talk about it today on Locked on Hornets. You are Locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, in a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> Lockdown Hornets, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And that includes YouTube, where if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see that two of the three of us, including David Walker hopping on as he does every Tuesday, have decided to participate in Halloween. I am the one that is the lone wolf <laughs> deciding to, I mean, I like my NBA hoodie. I think it's cool. Um, I don't know if it's a costume of any kind. Too cool. So, you have, too you cool have no kids. It. You weren't ready for Halloween. I was not. No, this this is usually I'm the partier, I guess, if I'm the younger of all of us and I don't have kids. Oh. I do know what Halloween is. I That's just good. am not participating on the show, I guess. That's David Walker, the Knight of Nikes, on Twitter at David B. Walker and dressed as one and only Coach Prime. Shades and That's all. Right. Has the prime hoodie, looks fantastic. <laughs> and Doug is dressed as a hornet or basically as what Doug was a couple of years back now at this point, wearing the big dub hat despite not having a big dub mm. to speak of and also a B costume. And again, I'm in my NBA hoodie. Well, so. you you dress for the Hornets team that you want, not for the Hornets team that you have. So I've got the big dub hat on, which is also doubles as a B, uh, B hat co- or B costume hat. Uh, you are wearing a NBA shirt, so we could say that you are uh, Rob Lowe. Rob You're Lowe. essentially Rob Perfect. Lowe-ing it right now. Mm-hmm. If I had an NBA hat, I would don it very much so. And if you are <laughs> dressing for the team that you want, does that mean David wants Prime to coach the Hornets? Because that Listen, would be a hell of a spectacle. It's not out of the question. I'll be honest, half of this motivation was I got my roster for my eight and under basketball team uh, yesterday, in the, in, and I just want the parents to know <laughs> – no, none of these slots are guaranteed, guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not hard to find. If I've got to see an eight-year-old on the street with a nice handle, he's coming in. I'm going to have to make some rooms. So just heads up. Look, if David's kids aren't protected, then he's going to find different players to play alongside his kids, and he's bringing that Louie luggage. You know, you can, you can get up <laughs> off the roster. That's what David's That's well. David Walker has a history of hurting kids on this show, or almost hurting kids. He almost ran over some kids while that he was, was not doing... a kid. That guy was <laughs> cursing least... at him too. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, he was were cursing at him. He was always hitting yeah. children as they were trying to cross. <laughs> Just going to school. All they wanted to do was go to school, and David trying to do that the show. That was not a school phone. crossing. That's okay. not a school okay. crossing. How do we make this worse? You didn't have to go 100 <laughs> miles per hour in a school zone, David. Yeah, how do we? I, I will. This? I will say this. If Coach Prime did coach the Hornets, I guarantee you Coach Prime would have gone small to match the Nets last night. Okay, well, and, and He I'm, would not have stuck mm, with the lineup. Okay, yeah, and I'm not sure that he would have found a replacement for Brandon Miller. Uh, he, he, he would have found a replacement for LaMelo like Steve Clifford did, which was Oof. Brandon Miller earlier in that game, which is you know interesting to see. Storylines, interesting to start the season. L- let's dive into Brandon Miller uh, with him having what was a – Bananas first half offensively. Uh, you look at him coming off of the bench, playing 36 minutes, though, by the way, the second most amount of time logged in this game, right after Terry Rozier playing over 40, lots of minutes on the legs of the veteran. But Brandon Miller in the first half scored 16 points. He ends up with 22. 
go six of six from the foul line. Two of his three three point or two of his five three point attempts were made, and uh, again seven of sixteen. So, d- d- despite the Hornets losing to the Brooklyn Nets one thirty three one twenty one. I did think there was the nice storyline in the macro of, okay, Brandon Miller looks very good, and he's looked very good over the first three games of the season. But, Doug, if you want to speak on it a little bit more so, yeah, man, Mark Williams got punished from the outside where he couldn't commit to protecting the rim because Dorian Finney-Smith was just hanging out at the three-point line. Steve Clifford calls the timeout early, and then they start to punish the Nets for going small, at least on the offensive end. Mark Williams gets a million dunks. He did not miss a shot in this game, but you're trading twos for threes. Clearly not a great proposition for the Charlotte Hornets. Second half, it happened again. You're right, Doug. The Hornets, they had Mark Williams in there. Nets went small, and that's what ended them up uh, scoring 133 points. Well, the Nets went small because they had to, because Nick Claxton yep. had an injury, because Cam Johnson had an injury. That's their starting center. That's their starting power forward. Both of those guys are injured. They've got Dayron Sharp as the backup center, but they decided forget it, scrap all that. Jacques Vaughn said, we're going small. We're going to start Cam Thomas, who is an absolute bucket. Can't mm-hmm. stop him off the bench. He scored, I think, 33 and 30 his first two games off the bench. So they're like, why not? Let's just start him and see what the Hornets do. And Clifford uh, telegraphed it pregame, said, we're not changing what we're doing. He challenged his team uh, that, you know, we know they're going small. We know they're going to change some stuff up. And, and look, I respect the philosophy of wanting to play your game and not let the other team dictate how you play with their lineup. But that's, to me, that's a luxury extended to teams that have a lot of skill and a lot of shooting and are proven. And the Hornets are none of those things. And so I think Clifford's decision to test his team was honestly a bad one. It cost them a win on a, on a homestand, one that they could have, I think, easily gotten. Um, because, look, they didn't get back on defense. Mark looked tired by the end of the game because he was chasing around guards that he, in places that he had no business guarding them. Um, and, and obviously Clifford agreed with me because uh, in the second half he went away from Mark Williams for periods because the guy was getting rotated into oblivion. They couldn't defend. Uh, so, you know, I just think it was a bad call overall. I don't, I don't often, like, disagree wholeheartedly with Steve Clifford, who has a lot more experience in basketball than I do, but I think it was clear as day that it was a bad decision. What do you think, David? Well, guys, I got to say, uh, I checked in on this game a little late. Uh, the, the good old Bally's sports app. Yes. If I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, <laughs> shout out my brethren in arms, uh, the the few, the strong, uh, the Bally's app subscribers out there who could not log on uh, to this game last night. So, but maybe I, you know, I comment I might slip Bally's a few extra dollars to, for keeping me out of the misery yep. last night because <laughs> it it sounded like there was a real lack of of effort and energy from from the tip, which I do not get at all. You guys tell me. I mean, Brandon Miller seemed to be playing hard. The guys certainly played a lot of minutes, but by the time I checked on the score, it was, what, 17 points down. I mean, you know, uh, they just got jumped on from the very beginning and were trying to climb out of that hole. I don't get that in on October 30th, right, like at a home, in a home game to start off a homestand. It, it seems so, kind of weird. Right, so here's what happened. Brooklyn starts red hot immediately yeah. because they just have a bunch of shooters out there except – not everyone on their roster was a shooter. In fact, they have notorious non-shooter Ben Simmons. And so this is the thing to <laughs> right. me, and I saw a couple people point this out. I think you could have survived the Mark Williams against the small lineup minutes 
It's just that Mark was on a guy that shoots 36% from three for his career in Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith took nine threes last night. He hit four of them. Ben Simmons, to the shock of no one, took zero. So that's my question. Is there any way that you could just have, like, I understand that Ben Simmons would be handling the basketball, but there were times where Ben actually was the beneficiary of not having Mark on him. He's able to attack. Mark has to leak out to Finney Smith in the corner or on the wing because he can't quite commit. And then so Ben hits the shot because he's just close to the basket. And that's one. So Steve Clifford talked about it last night. Doug, you said he agreed with you, which he probably did in the I'm second spe- half. I'm speculating. I don't, I don't know for well, sure no. that he agreed with me. I, I, I didn't ask him directly, but I'm speculating that he did. Well, but he defended afterwards. He said, look, we can't let teams go small on us. We're, we're, we have the ability to rotate, and Mark's got to get to it. So he was blaming Mark, it seemed like. I mean, it, it he didn't love exactly the rotations team-wise, and he didn't love, I think, just – even if he defended it, it was weird. Like his comments were a little weird last night. He was clearly really frustrated, but it, it he's going to go big again. I mean, he's going to roll with Mark Williams even against small lineups and hope that they can fix it with him on the floor. Again, I agree with the overall philosophy, but I think in this particular instance, it was an opportunity early in the season when you're still figuring things out <clears throat> to give yourself a chance to get a victory. I, I don't and and part of the thing is I don't think they came I don't think they got into that game with a lack of energy. I think that the Nets had a very specific plan of attack to attack them over and over in transition and they weren't ready for it and they didn't have the personnel and eventually after, you know, they got down 10, 15 in that first quarter, they lost the belief. They lost the plot. They lost this idea that they could win the game at that point, and then things started to snowball. And they they seemed to get it back, I think, in the second quarter. Towards yeah. the end of that second quarter, they made a run. But then in the third quarter, when DFS did hit those two threes in that quarter, they were because Mark Williams looked gassed. Yeah. He was just sitting under the rim while DFS, his assignment, was at the three-point line, and he was helping when he shouldn't help. But he was doing that yeah. because doing the other thing would have required, I think, more in the tank than Mark had. And after the game, Clifford said that <laughs> he seems to be revealing just one player at a time that they weren't ready like a month before uh, the training camp started. So, you know, he, he did it first with LaMelo, saying the LaMelo wasn't cleared for contact until a little bit before training camp. And now he's done it after the game with Mark Williams. So we're just, you know, I guess we're just making excuses for guy after guy. I don't know. I'm just kind of, I just want to see them win basketball games. I think they would have had an opportunity if if they were willing to get a little creative. Because look, you've got it when, it when it comes playoff time, it's all about adjustments. Adjustments are everywhere. So I don't know why they, they didn't make an adjustment. Jacques Vaughn, made an adjustment. He could have gone Dayron Sharp at center and said, look, we're going to stick with a traditional lineup. We're going to replace the center with a center. He said, nah, I'm just going to go win a basketball game, so I'm going to I'm going to get creative and go with the lineup that I think can actually win. Well, I mean, yeah, he made an adjustment by not making an adjustment. Like, he didn't do any – he didn't need to, though. Like, it, it, he, if he would have made an adjustment, it would have been the wrong thing to do. There, there was no reason because in the first quarter, you come out and you're hitting threes at the beginning, and then it happens again. Like, it, the – both halves were deja vu. It started the same, and then they just went away from it a little bit more quickly in the uh, third quarter. La- last thoughts, David? Well, so, Doug, you're saying just basically in a vacuum, we all agree that, yes, Mark Williams should needs to be out there to start or or, or in theory, right. but situationally, um, you got to make some adjustments. I mean, I, it feels like 
I don't know. He's trying to figure things out. He's trying to go with his big guns when he can. Um, but they, yeah, <laughs> to your point, apparently no, no one's healthy or, or is just still well, getting well, in shape. If but- you, right. And if you take what Steve Clifford says at face value, that Mark Williams is still getting, I don't know, his rhythm, conditioning, right. all of these words that we keep throwing around to explain bad performances from these guys. If you If you take that at face value, then I think as a coach, you would say, look, my guy's still getting back into form. Why am I going to put him out there to like challenge him in, in a way that is going to be detrimental to our ability to win a basketball game? I just mm-hmm. think this was – I think wins are going to be very difficult to come by this season for a variety of reasons. And there's – in game three of the regular season, when you have an opportunity to beat a team that is going to be missing two of their starters, you yeah. take that opportunity because w- when you get down to the end of the season and you're counting up wins to get into the play-in, this game might actually matter. Let's go over some more of the details. Maybe focus a little more on Brandon Miller a little bit. Just a little bit. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Yeah, the rookie went for 20 points. We'll dive a little bit more into that. LaMelo Ball continuing to struggle from the field, and he is apparently still trying to get his rhythm back as well. We'll get all into it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the the action the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over unders even more than that visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel the official partner of the nfl more locked on hornets coming up so i got to ask steve clifford a couple of questions last night one of them was about the small lineup which i'll mention in a second but actually it comes off of the heels in my opinion of what he had to say about brandon miller So that was the last question he answered during his press availability. I said, coach, you got 20 points from Brandon Miller, nine rebounds. What did you think of his performance? And Steve Clifford said, I thought he was very good offensively. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) I thought he was very good offensively. Doug and I had the same exact thought. Doug beat me to it on the text line or on the tide say text line now. So radio. Text messaged me and said, oh, he Jeremy lambed him. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what he did. I felt the same exact thing. He Jeremy lambed Brandon Miller, where it was all positive vibes, at least from the rookie. Everybody, what a common take was last night was everything else seems to be going poorly. A couple of things here and there that are okay. But Brandon Miller, we can all agree, was good. Steve Clifford would tell you, yes, offensively, he was good. And look, this is the problem. This is what was weird. So when I asked him about going small, not going small, having Mark Williams out there, he did say it's not their fault because they tried to install it a little more today. Um, or that's what he was saying yesterday, right? So we tried to install a little more this morning. You know, we're basically, it's like at the beginning of the season, we're trying a bunch of different stuff. And he seemed to take a lot of that responsibility for, you know, trying to install it. It's not their fault, but also we've played good defense. We've played two good defensive games for the most part. You just gave up 130 points. He came out discussing the advanced stats would point to this being one of their better performances, maybe at the end of the year. He said that at the beginning of the press conference too. a little bit of a weird one from Steve Clifford last night. Did you feel the same way, Doug? Hearing a lot of excuses. 
just excuses for performances, excuses for particular players. And I think that's, you know, I think fans may be willing to give the the team a little bit of a leash here at the beginning of the season. But once the losses start piling up and, you know, they fall behind the playoff race and we get into this, you know, NBA Cup in-season tournament, if they get embarrassed there, then, you know, I think that those excuses will fade pretty quickly. But I would love – I want David's take on Brandon Miller's performance because um, it was – there were so many good things to highlight, so many great stretches. David, what did you think about Brandon Miller? Yeah, he's been awesome, guys. I mean, you know, it's such a nice thing to see a rookie come in, especially for the Hornets, and, and be impactful. Like, and we weren't, you know, you're never really specific about it. You you just want them to be positively impactful uh, to the team, hopefully to winning. But, you know, in the first three games, you love what you see from Brandon Miller. We were so nervous, Doug. We were very nervous about the shooting, especially the three-point shooting. I mean, right. y- your your summary of the uh, preseason, you know, he was not successful shooting from the outside in the preseason. That was a concern. Uh, the form was always like a sticking point, I think, in the pre-draft process and through the draft and, and looking at it through the preseason. But, like, the form was never really a, a huge concern, I don't think, and, and, and it, it obviously doesn't affect him right now. Uh, it's his form, right? He's got it down. It's just that low release looks kind of odd, but, dude, they're going in right now, and that's a good thing. But I think the other stuff you're seeing is – you know, his cutting, his ability to move, kind of feeling the, his way around on the offense uh, is, I mean, I don't want to say light years ahead of what I thought it would be, but, like, he does not look like a rookie in, in some of these possessions to me. Like, defense is another thing we can talk about, but he wasn't drafted, <laughs> just to be honest, he wasn't drafted, you know, solely for his defense. He was drafted because he was supposed to be the best shooter in the draft, right? And this team needs shooting. They need some offense. They need some punch. Uh, and he's been able to give that to him. So if nothing else, right now you have to be geeked over what Brandon Miller is doing. And and, and count us in on that. This is not – I don't think this is the episode where we do the full-on breakdown, but count us in on Team <laughs> Miller. We are behind this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it, we're bringing the, the scoot convo mm-hmm, to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, Brandon Miller – the shot making has been pretty ridiculous from the perimeter for him so far. So right now he's shooting 44% in the three games played. He was seven of 16 last night, as I mentioned, and a couple of the threes that he hit the, the one three that was the best one where he was deep from the wing, a guy out on him and just pulls the trigger, lets it fly and splash zone. The mid range stuff for him yes. has been impressive to me. What's happening with Brandon a couple of times is so I do think it's a low release. It is something I talked oh, about yeah, in the yeah, pre-draft yeah. process, but also the way that he's been able to combat that is either taking a step deeper <laughs> from the three point. We saw it. I believe it was the first three hit ever yeah. of his career. He was just deep. Hey, okay. It's going to be hard to block that if you're just so deep and he's going to knock it in your face. That doesn't matter. And then the other times have been, he has had two step backs and he's been able to hit him. You know, there have been times when he gets into the paint where he did get a shot blocked last night, but it's just really hilarious because, all right, I'm going to step back and then I'm going to knock it in your face, or I'm just going it, to, it's either going to be off of the dribble a couple times we've seen that, or I'm just going to start deep from beyond the perimeter. The rebounding has been there. The playmaking was always good from a secondary standpoint. He's had a couple of nice assists. He drew the defense in on a Mark Williams lob last night. That was good. 
But David, you're right. It's the shot making for him from the perimeter specifically right now. He's he's knocking it down. He looks very good, very comfortable, comfortable. shooting that basketball as well. Right. And he's been yeah, he's been really, really helpful to a team that can't shoot anywhere else outside of Brandon Miller. Let, let me put this into perspective for folks. Please, Brandon please Miller. Do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Miller <laughs> is doing things in his third game that we would have taken for for from most Hornets rookies third year. Yeah. Okay? If they if Malik Monk had been doing some of these things in his third year, mm. we would have taken it. If yeah. James Booknight had been doing any of these things in his third year, we would have taken it. Confidence. He has more confidence than, except for, you know, maybe ex- apart from LaMelo, is more confidence than any Hornets rookie I've seen in a, in a very long time. And, and, and he's already expanding his game beyond what I thought he would be capable of. Um, this season, which is because I knew he would. Well, I, I thought he would shoot, you know, after the preseason, I was a little worried, obviously, one of 13 from the field, but he can shoot. But it's the the play that he made in the middle of the second quarter when he shot fakes, puts it on the floor, uses the mm. body, the length, creates all of that space and gets an easy layup on on admittedly a little bit of a lax Nets D, one that was going to complement his skill set, but he was able to do it defensively. Uh, as you know, Clifford pointed out, there were issues. But the thing is, the issues that I see with him defensively are the same issues I see with Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball and the rest of these teams. He's not necessarily yeah. making rookie mistakes on the defensive end. He's just making regular old NBA basketball mistakes. I mean, like he bit on the pump fake from Cam Thomas in oh the middle of that th- uh, second quarter and made... <laughs> made Steve Clifford say some naughty words, but so did Gordon Hayward later in the game, bid on that same Cam Thomas fake at the free throw line, Uh, you know, doing some of the same things that the rest of these uh, Hornets defenders are doing. So like Clifford's right, but it's not because Brandon Miller's a rookie. It's just because he's, you know, a player on the Hornets and we, all of them have defensive issues. Yeah. You you don't see him, you know, getting his head turned around and and trying to find where his man, you don't see him completely lost like a lot, you know, you're not seeing him get back cut a ton or, or just being completely out of place on defense. Uh, But, but just real quick, jumping back to the offensive stuff, you know, his ability to already be able to kind of find his spot, you know, is, is something that I think is fun to watch too. He's got Mm -hmm. that little turnaround that's already really good. You know, he's obviously able to use his length and shoot up over almost pretty much anybody that's going to be able to guard him. Uh, But, you know, I think his finishing around the rim is pretty good. I think it can still get better. But he had a nice second jump last night where he missed a little runner and he was the first one to tap it back in. Mm -hmm. That was good to see. Like, he's always getting knocked a little bit for his athleticism, but he's 6'8". And especially when he gets a running start, he's still going to be able to get up and impact the rim and attack it in a way that, you know, not many guys can. So just starting out from where he is right now, we're seeing a lot of the stuff that we were told we were going to see, which is the mid-range game, which is the creation. And last night I thought we saw a little fire. Like when they were getting blitzed, he hit a shot, and he was the guy that was like, let's go, come on. Like we hadn't seen none of that, none of that in the preseason, didn't know a lot about him. You know, he wasn't under the microscope like Scoot was, so we didn't know a lot about his emotions on the court. He's not like a, a flamboyant, talkative guy off the court. So so we hadn't seen it, but my God, what did we talk about through the draft process? They need somebody on the floor who is going to, you know, yell at the team or say let's go or hit a shot and then kind of bounce back and get energy going on the team. Yes. If he brings that too, 
I mean, you're talking about a whole nother level of impact. And he's doing all of this on a bad offensive team. I know they scored a lot of points last night, but if you really dig down with all due respect to Clifford's point about this being like a highly efficient game that they went on most nights because of the offense, like if you look at that game, I think by the middle of the third quarter after DFS hits those couple of threes, you could just sense from the Nets that they were like, all right, we got these guys. Like if we just keep hitting shots, they're going to be open. We're not going to, they didn't need to play a ton of defense and they decided, okay, we're not going to play a ton of defense. So I think, you know, yeah. they, they, so this is a, the, the Hornets are a bad offensive team. And Brandon Miller has gotten minutes with the starters, but he's gotten most of his minutes with, with a bench unit that is not full of good offensive players. Because I think a lot of our talk around Brandon Miller was, oh man, if he gets opportunities with a mellow, he's going to get more yeah. space to shoot. He's got, you know, and that's when he's going to shine. But honestly, he's doing it with some pretty bad offensive lineups and he's creating for himself. And he's that's that's what's most exciting about watching him play right now. Last couple of thoughts on Brandon Miller. One, I do think that the shooting for Terry can't be as bad as it is right now. Same with LaMelo. Defenses still respect that shot. So I do think because of the respect level, there's still the gravity is still there. And so that does help Brandon and Brandon is being effective with some of that gravity. The defense that Clifford, I think, was pointing to was what his opening remarks were during his press availability that they got killed on ball at just a one-on-one defense. They got destroyed. And that was the most frustrating thing. At least that's what Clifford was most frustrated about on top of them, not rotating well enough. And the third thing is I do want to save that clip. And I want it to end right at the end of perspective where Doug says in a B costume with the antenna <laughs> going every which way, I want to give people some perspective. Yes. That, that's what I want. I want that clip and I want it isolated and I want it as a bump. And I, I want to be very clear. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Classic, classic B. Brandon Miller, all the buzz around Brandon Miller. Mm -hmm. He's got the hive alive right now. There you go. Serious takes from a man in a B, a B costume. One more segment to go coming up next on the locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We have some mid-season. Uh, is it in-season, mid-season? It's, it's not mid-season because it's happening sort of at the beginning of this. Yeah. I, got I got confused by this as well. Uh -huh. uh, it is in-season tournament. Okay. In-season tournament details. Aesthetic. Aesthetic in-season tournament details. We'll get to those in just a moment. And uh, I'm glad we have David. This is the guy that will either will give us the stamp of approval. If we actually like what the courts look like, what the jerseys look like, just all of it. We'll talk about it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat as well when you purchase those tickets right before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute ticket seats. Plus, you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and even more than that. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More Lockdown Hornets coming up. 
Before we get into the end-season tournament details, Doug wanted to give us one more thing on Brandon Miller. What you got? Yeah, this is from my game notes, which you can find on everyhornetsboxscore.com, by the way. Uh, This is one thing that I noticed about Brandon Miller, and it goes back to the defensive end of the floor. And I think something that I hopefully Clifford will we'll see on tape, which is that if you look early in the game, as I mentioned, Cam Thomas, really good score. A lot of good scores on the floor for the Nets. They know how to score one-on-one. They know how to score an ISO. They know how to take you off the dribble, pump fake. They've got all the moves, right? And I'm sure pre-game, they went over this idea that like the Nets love to get to the free throw line and pump fake. It's something that they do. All of them can do it. Mikael Bridges, uh, DFS, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who uh, the Nets lost uh, to injury uh, in that second half and Cam Thomas, and Brandon Miller bites on that pump fake, and I think that's why Steve Clifford was so upset, because it's just like, look, it's a pump fake, you bite on it, it stinks, it's two free throws, it's bad, but I'm sure he got so mad because it's something they probably went over in the game, in the pregame, in the, in the run-through, and so he he makes that mistake, but then you, you fast forward to the fourth quarter, 533 left in the game, Miller is on Mikael Bridges, and Bridges tries the exact same move, pump fake from the same place, And Brandon Miller doesn't bite. He stays on his feet. He's learning mid-game. He learns from his mistakes. We cannot take that for granted. We have seen a lot of players not be able to do that. I think of James Booknight. I think of Jeremy Lamb, the guy that we were sort of joking about him getting that Jeremy Lamb treatment from Steve Clifford. But Jeremy Lamb would have made that mistake multiple times in a game. He did it against Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade pumped Lamb out of his shoes multiple times in a game. And that's when you got that first Clifford moment in in that uh, press conference. That's not Brandon Miller. He's learning uh, mid-game. And Clifford even mentioned that you can give Brandon Miller something you know, pre-game, like, hey, here's a scouting note, and he will install it in the middle of a game. And that is something that is unusual. I don't know if that's even usual for, like, somebody that's a couple-year veteran, but certainly not for a rookie. So just another thing to be excited about when you watch him play. He's a smart player. Basketball IQ was a big selling point of his coming out of college, and it is on full display through the first three games of his NBA career. Okay, do you have some pictures to go to here, Doug? How did you want to talk about the in-season tournament courts and the details that were revealed? I can I can get some pictures. Uh, we can put that on the screen. But why don't you uh, why don't you describe okay. it, David? You've you've got a good look at this court that's going to be installed for the in-season tournament. It's not just a Hornets thing; it's across the NBA. Right. Everybody's doing a court uh very colorful i'll say that uh, a lot of big colors for these courts david what do you think of this court yeah and it looks like they've really highlighted the in-season trophy do we have a name for that bad boy yet is it like uh it's the nba cup it's the nba uh, cup it sounds like mario kart um but it's the presented NBA by cup. kia or nothing yet know. just 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 they're keeping it pure <laughs> i like it i like it uh you know what this is <laughs> This is exhausting at this point with all these uniforms and courts they're rolling out. But I did see a good point raised on on uh, on on X last night. Um, the court, when you see this court, you'll know it's an in season game. And if nothing else, that will help clarify exactly what you're watching because there it is. There's that beauty, uh, and I think it actually works really well for the Hornets. They did a nice job on this one. Uh, it's going to look uh, – they're all, like, color-stamped like this, right? Like, they're all color-blocked, mm-hmm. so there's 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 no, like, wood paneling. I guess we've got a little bit in the paint there, it looks like, and on the sidelines. But, yeah, I think for the Hornets, this one, this one goes well. I, I do like it so that, you know, no one's going to remember when, when there's an in-season tournament game or whatever, especially not to start off. So I think this is a good idea so when you flip it on – 
um, you'll be able to say, oh, oh, this is an in-season tournament game. I wish yep. I would have gone. Maybe for the next one. What do you think, Doug? Do you, do you like it or are you not a fan? I'm a big fan. I love something different. Let's let's just try things. Let's throw things against the wall. This is the first time they're doing anything like this. There are obvious reasons for doing all of these things. The NBA wants to spice up the regular season so that because they yeah. are on the verge of getting a new TV deal and they want to maximize that TV deal and all of the people that would give them the money, the TV, the 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 providers are saying, "Hey, why should we give you all this money if guys are sitting out, if the regular season doesn't matter? We're paying for you know these numbers of games, and people are tuning out. And so the NBA has to find ways to get people to tune in. And they, they, they're trying to address the rest thing. I don't know how successful they've been so far with, with uh, guys <laughs> still uh, staying out due to rest. But this NBA court, it, it, for all of these teams, it is part of it. It's, it's saying, like, this regular season game is special. It, I don't it doesn't really mean anything in terms of like uh, playoffs or you know any kind of home court advantage there, there's nothing to play for in that respect but it is just making it different and hopefully the players who are making millions of dollars to entertain people ultimately will look at the new court and look at the NBA Cup and look at all of the signals that the NBA is sending and say hey we should take this seriously this should be a little bit more. Uh, than a regular season game. Now, maybe I'm naive and in, in wanting that or thinking that, uh, but hopefully all Hornets and, and all these teams will step up and take this seriously and make this regular season that is long, that's too long. They should cut games, but in lieu of that, hopefully they'll take this seriously and be competitive on this floor, which looks fine. It's got the NBA yeah. Cup on it. It's got colors. It will be a signal that it's something different, and and I'm all for different at this point. All right, so and and for those that can't watch us on YouTube, the, the court's a deep teal color. These are the official details, if you will. A deep teal color with gold accents in between mm-hmm. the free throw lanes. There's a mint colored strip that runs through the length of the court. Other highlights are that the center court apron says the hive is alive. I like incorporating yeah. some things that are unique to the Hornets franchise or whatever NBA franchise is putting out there as a product. So a deep teal gold version of the partial primary logo, that's at center court. That overlays the NBA Cup trophy. The lanes are also the NBA Cup trophy. I love that. I think that looks very cool. I love that the color is loud. I love that it's in your face. This is what we want the NBA to do when they come out with City Edition unis. We don't want the the NBA. No, you're good. Well, I was just saying with, with the NBA, when they come out with statement edition, city edition, NBA edition, mm-hmm. B costume mm-hmm. edition, prime, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the edition is, they try to match the subtlety and the coolness. And really it's dude, you didn't go hard enough. You cannot say that. You cannot say that about <laughs> these courts. They went hard enough on these courts. I think it looks cool to me. I just like the design. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, I, I'm usually the one, too, in the Twitter sphere that actually says, hey, those jerseys aren't bad. I like those jerseys more than everyone else. That's just oh. who I I just am. But I, I really that one, Walker. I like this court. Uh, you're right. You know exactly what it is. As soon as you flip the channel to a Hornets game. Oh, wait, this means something just a little bit more extra than a normal regular season game. So I'm yeah. all for it. I think it's a great idea. 
Yeah, as long as you can get your app or service to actually put the Hornets game on, when you see this, <laughs> uh, you will be very excited. Are are the are are they playing in the in the city or whatever edition uniforms to match this for all the in tournament games? Do we know that factor? I'm looking I'm at look some of the details. I'm scrolling. I can't find anything on unis for this one. Um, I'm not sure that I don't yeah, know if that I don't know if the job is like that or not. But you know, Walker, we're getting a little bit of heat because I think you and I are more in the camp for these new city edition jerseys. I know Doug's main feedback, and I agree with him. It's a little bit too much like the new orleans set but but I, they're they're growing on me fast and furious uh i kind of like them and, and i think especially on this court they, they'd match up so you know good good job on the design everyone and hey you know what the trophy looks good too you know it's a new trophy it came out of nowhere it's simple you know what it is it's mm-hmm. a basketball trophy uh i hope it ends up back in the spectrum center there you go. All right. Well, Those listen, the, no one should ahead. take fashion right, advice from a guy that's in a B costume. Let me just let me just set the <laughs> table there. Bye. I will agree with David that they're a little too close to Nola. Uh, but of when, look, when you're grading the, you're grading the them batch. on a curve. What's that? Of the batch of the rest of them they put out there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're grading them on the curve of wow, a lot of these are super terrible. And it looks like a lot of these were just very <laughs> as a, as someone that can appreciate turning your homework in, you know, right at the deadline. That was <laughs> how I got through high school and college. Uh, I, I know when stuff gets turned in late and that's what a lot of these jerseys look like. That's not what the Hornets look like. And I, and I, so I, I respect it from that position, but they do give me too many NOLA vibes and I'm watching league pass and they keep airing this Baron Davis featurette when he's a member of the New Orleans Hornets with talking to Byron Scott. Like it's just, it's, it's killing me. And I wish they would quit even, (laughs) even reminding me that, that, that the New Orleans Hornets existed. I just don't want to be reminded of that. So that's why I'm, I'm hurting a little bit. But the difference between the jerseys and this court and why I support this court wholeheartedly and why I'm less supportive of the jerseys is because the court is different because it's signifying that something should be more important. That's why something should be different, because it's signifying importance. All the jerseys have done, because they've been oversaturated, because you've done them over and over, they've lost significance. They've lost importance, and everyone can see that it's just a... A, a a cash grab and 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 a blatant cash grab and and so and they've gotten worse like the quality has gotten worse it's not only a cash grab it's you know it's a cash grab for something that isn't even as valuable so it's not valuable it's not important it's not quality i'm done with the jerseys but i think the court is something completely different you want them to wear b costumes just say it and be done with it I mean, that, that would away. look, I mean, that would be different. That would signify something uh, <laughs> important was about to happen if everyone dressed in uh, different colored bee costumes. Yes, absolutely. That's true. Okay. That's Doug Branson in a bee costume, wearing the big dub hat despite a big L. You can find him on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. You can find his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And that's David Walker. A fantastic father, just like Prime. If you want to put your kids on his basketball roster, just remember yeah. they're not guaranteed a, a spot. And if he doesn't like them, he will bring somebody else in. And, and, and he might run over them. Just make sure if yeah, and just make sure they look both ways before not crossing to the street. Run over them. Eight and under. I mean, we can we can work mm-hmm. on the birth certificate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't promise not to curse at him though. Just make note of that. He's also the knight of Nikes, and you can find him on Twitter at David B Walker. Listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from twelve to three p.m.
Thanks for making us your first listen. As always, join us tomorrow. We'll continue to talk about Brandon Miller, celebrate him, and maybe, again, get into the LaMelo conversation. When is he going to get going? Have a great rest of your day.